So I've been kind of zeroing in on the Buddhist teaching on perception, and my primary reason for doing that is really just to uh, to help us to become more aware of this amazing function <laughs> of this human mind. It's quite uh, an amazing um, uh, activity that goes on in the mind, and we want to be able to see it objectively and uh, be relate to it skillfully, appropriately. Um, in a way that just sees it as just that much. You know, the, the Buddha is pointing to seeing perception as perception, being able to see, see it when it's happening and know it as such. So we don't want to stop it. We, don't, we won't be able to stop it, even if you try. Uh, but we don't want to anyway. Um, it's what the mind does. And the objective here is just to be able to become familiar with it, to see the activity and to discern for ourselves what it's like to be caught up in it, to grab hold of it and to go with it where it takes us uh, versus being able to know it very precisely as a, a function of a mind, as an arisen, uh, a phenomenon really, an arisen event. So... Um, we, we can't really stop it, and we don't want to. But, uh, and, and, but it's also very con- important to consider the, that fact that uh, sanya is a key player in the process of waking up. So we, we don't want to stop it. <laughs> we couldn't even if we, if we tried. But uh, it's very much active in uh, the processes of uh, interpreting and understanding Dhamma for ourselves, seeing it and seeing it very clearly and interpreting it to ourselves. So, you know, it plays a very positive role in this process of waking up. But uh, we, don't, we won't stop it, but we can stop the, the stories. We can stop the proliferation that proceeds from not seeing it as such and getting caught entangled in, uh, in perception and where it can take us. So, as I said in earlier talks and reflections, perception is that kicking off point for much, if not virtually all, of the papancha, the proliferation in the mind. And and we know know what that's like. I mean, Sky was talking about it in one of her talks recently, how that chattering away going on and on and on in the mind and how you never experience a moment's peace when you're caught in that. So we want to be able to see it as something the mind does and, and not identify with it. And this is a very different relationship than our usual relationship, than the relationship of being identified and being caught up. And there are many places in the suttas where the Buddha promises and po- points to and actually promises the possibility of shifting this relationship and uh, developing a new one. And he actually says at one point, he says, when, when one is well-practiced, one is able to see, such is perception. And to just to contemplate that language, even, such is perception. You're walking down the hall and you're seeing something and uh, the mind begins to start a story. You know, they, to be able to freeze frame that and be able to know right then and there, this is perception. <laughs> I'm perceiving something. And uh, be able to leave it right there at the, at the point of contact at the sense door, and, and at the perception. So see it, such is perception, such is its origin. We begin to see that it's arising out of contact, and such is its disappearance. One is able to see with that kind of uh, precision. So th- this becomes a transformative insight, and uh, as meditators, everybody in this room is in a very good position <laughs> to be able to see in this way. Uh, that's why, partly why we're practicing here. 
And as I said, it's a very liberating insight to understand this function and not be carried away with it every time it becomes active in the mind. So I talked a little bit about how um, this manifests as the mind, uh, in in part, the activity of perception is the mind getting a fix on things, trying to discern what something is. Uh, and um, how it can feel very wobbly in those moments where it doesn't know what it is, and it's scrambling, going through the database and the mind to sort out and uh, discern what it is that one is knowing. And, and I talked a little bit about how the mind remembers, how this is a function of the uh, perception conda as well, and how, you know, if we, you, you, again, you're not going to be able to stop that, but if you don't see it as such, then we have no options but to constantly be born into memories, good and bad. And at times we may want to do that. That's, uh, we're not saying we can't. There's a time for everything. But it's just to uh, not be at the mercy of that kind of activity. So t- tonight I just wanted to look at some other aspects of it, which I think, you, you know, if you haven't looked at it like this before, I hope you'll find very interesting and very supportive for your practice. Uh, and, and this is seeing how the mind names things, how it assigns qualities or characteristics to the things that we come into contact with, um, and uh, what, what it's like to get caught up in that, what it's like to attach to that. And I just want to start off just considering it in a very, very basic way, uh, beginning to notice that the, the mind is doing this. So, for example, maybe you're walking around, maybe you're walking around the loop or um, just outside um, on these beautiful days. Yesterday was so beautiful. Today, uh, you know, beautiful in a different way or um, a little more gray. (laughs) Yesterday, kind of blue. Uh, So you look up at the, you you look up and you look at the sky and you see and experience that, first of all, as the sky. That's a name that we give to it. You know, it's, it's not exactly what it is, it's just a name that we give to it. And we start to get this feeling of uh, being in touch with the sky, being aware of the sky. Uh, and w- or we might know it as a, a having a certain color. You know, yesterday it was blue, today it was white, that kind of thing. So we're, 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 we're taking in very visceral information about what it is that we're coming into contact with. The trees are green, the grass is, is green, the snow is white, this kind of thing. So colors are the words that we use to describe the things that we contact. And, uh, and this is all proceeding from the perception khanda. In fact, there's a very interesting uh, sutta in the Madhyama Nikaya where the, it's one of those beautiful ones where you get this sense of there's a huge assembly. Uh, people have gathered to ask the, the Buddha questions. And in fact, the name of the sutta is the, the great set of questions <laughs> and answers. And, um, you know, they're, they're, it's almost like you can hear people popping up in the crowd, you know, and one, one is saying, well, well, what is consciousness anyway? Well, tell us what consciousness is. And, you know, another one says, what's feeling? What's feeling? Tell us about feeling. And uh, another one asks, what's about, what's becoming? Uh, what's right view? What's jhana? And, and, the, and someone asks about perception. What's perception? And I thought it was very interesting in this particular sutta where he goes right to the colors. He defines it in this way. He, you know, they're saying perception, perception. With reference to what is perception said? What does it perceive? And the Buddha says, it perceives blue. It perceives yellow. It perceives red. It perceives white. 
it perceives, it perceives. This is perception. <laughs> you know, get, just getting a very clear sense of what he's pointing to here. And, and what one might say, well, okay, I mean, you know, I, I wanted to start with this basic stuff, but you could, you, I could, you know, you might have a sense of, well, so what, you know? <laughs> so uh, we, we call yellow, yellow, we call blue, blue, we call hot, hot, we call cold, cold. Uh, what's the point here? Well, the point is, and, and this is where um, one wants to contemplate um, this particular khanda, the, the point is that uh, once we begin to conceive uh, things or um, get, uh, label things in this way, we're actually moving into something that is a slight distortion. It's actually not, uh, the, it's no longer the experience. You know, it's, it's, uh, we're moving into something that is a descriptor, if you will, or uh, something that we're saying about the experience. And so, you know, while the implications of doing that might not be so great when we're talking about these simple things, it doesn't stop there. You know, the, the perception conda includes a, a lot more complex uh, ways that we're naming and assigning qualities to things, and all of which uh, represent a certain distortion when we're uh, comparing it to what the object actually is or what we can know about it. <laughs> you know, in the end, all we can know is that it's impermanent suffering and non-self. You know, we can't know much more than that. So, but if we don't see it, and, and if we attach, then the potential for greater distortion, and the potential for the commensurate suffering with this begins to increase uh, as it goes along. So, so, for example, maybe we assign qualities such as ugly and beautiful to uh, different um, experiences. Now granted, the, these are conve- conventions, and we use these conventions in our daily lives and, and uh, as a way to communicate about the things that, that we experience. But, you know, one has to know and, and contemplate and consider that there's nothing in nature that is intrinsically ugly or beautiful. <laughs> You know, so already we're moving into a distortion when we see when we see things in this way and buy into it and start to relate to objects through those perceptions, through what are really views and ideas uh, about the objects, and and um, through the, 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 where it gets tricky is through through repetition, and to some extent a certain kind of agreement about things. Then uh, over time, it doesn't take very long before the um, uh, the idea about the object takes on a, a greater reality <laughs> than what the object actually is. So, you, so you, this is where we start to relate to something through the perception. You know, we're actually seeing it in that way because it, the perception was there first and uh, one, the mind begins to organize the information that it's taking in according to that perception. You, know, you you can start to feel some of the implications of this uh, when we do it. There's a lot of pain and suffering around attaching to these kinds of, of um, perceptions. You know, and they can cause pain both ways, whether one is caught up in thinking of, of themselves or other people as being ugly or unattractive, or it, uh, they can cause pain because we exalt ourselves around thinking uh, that people are beautiful or objects are beautiful. And it's very tricky because obviously, again, these are conventions and we're not trying to stop doing that. 
we're not trying to assign these kinds of qualities to things. But we do want to see it when we're doing it so that um, we, we can, um, in a way, uh, moderate uh, the, the level of distortion around these things. I, I don't know about you, but uh, I mean, I certainly have gotten carried away with this kind of um, assigning characteristics or qualities to things. And, and gone where it takes me, and um, suffered a lot because of it. I mean, one, one of the good ones, the big ones that's up for a lot of us now, is just the whole idea of being old, <laughs> you know, old and young. That, uh, that's a perception. And, you know, you could say, well, wait, wait a minute, you know, conventionally speaking, that's not, a, that's not, there's a reality to this. And I certainly feel that when I look in the mirror, you know. It's like, oh, you're really getting old now, you know. So, so there's, a, there's a reality here at, at a certain level. But I, I think what we're pointing to here is that uh, what, as a contemplation, as a, as a realization, look at your experience of physicality. That experience of physicality has not changed from the day that you were born from the day until we die. You know, as Skye was pointing to in one of her talks, it's a, it's a constant parade of um, uh, different um, experiences of the four elements in, in varying degrees of balance and imbalance throughout our lives. Sometimes it's very hot, sometimes it's very cold, sometimes it's very wet, sometimes it's very dry, sometimes there's some balance. But that is, in, in terms of the body, that, that's all there is. <laughs> That is the direct experience of the body. You know, the body doesn't know old and young. It, it, these are concepts, these are overlays to interpret what it is uh, that the body, the changes that the body goes through. But in terms of the direct experience, it, 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 hasn't, it hasn't really changed at all. And I don't know about you, but I, I think that merits contemplation, especially for those of us who are moving into our senior years. If the idea of aging um, gives rise to a certain fear or dread in the heart, you know, this can be a very, very helpful um, uh, support for staying with what our experience actually is, you know. There may be a few more aches in the pain and pains in the body, but it, as far as what an ache or a pain is, it hasn't changed. <laughs> it's the same as it was when I was two, you know. <laughs> and that can be uh, that can be very very helpful, you know. We can keep it close to what's a, what we're actually experiencing, and and just don't get lost in the perception and all the notions and the anxieties that these concepts might bring up. You know, and I'm just naming some very basic ones here. Yeah, you can think of your own. So we can be uh, a lot more at peace just contemplating the, the direct experience of the body instead of calling it aging. You know, I'm not saying this is easy to do. I have difficulty with it myself. But boy, what a gift. <laughs> just to consider that this might be useful or helpful um, as, we, as we go along. So it gets even more complex than this. Just consider what goes on with um, pleasure and pain. You know, the Buddha puts um, pleasure and pain, calls them Vedana, you know, the, the feeling tone of, what, uh, of our experience. But technically, uh, pleasure and pain are perceptions. You know, they're, 
there's an, uh, there's an idea about something that you're experiencing that's getting overlaid onto the direct experience of it, right? And this, again, as a contemplation, can be enormously helpful. You know, we can, we can attach to the idea of pleasure and pain, and, you know, you can get into all kinds of trouble <laughs> doing that kind of thing. You know, uh, I'm sure you've, you've had the experience, of, as I, of just um, uh, establishing an aditana, you know, making a determination, perhaps, at the beginning of a sitting, and saying that you're not going to move for the duration of the sitting. And it's kind of up the ante a little bit on the capacity just to uh, quiet the mind in the presence of what, what's going on. And, uh, you know, it doesn't take very long. I know one, uh, one of the first times I did this, um, you know, it, it was like a minute into the sitting, you know, <laughs> or two minutes into the sitting, where I realized I had not positioned myself well enough to be able to manage this, uh, this uh, determination. You know, and, and it, you get that awful feeling where you know that if you could just move your left toe a quarter of an inch, you know, that's all it would take and you would be totally free and happy again, you know. But, but you've made this determination, you know, you, you, and, and so you want to you wanna be able to stick with it. And so, you know, just to, to notice what goes on with that. I mean, for me, it was in, in, a, in a, a matter of minutes, it was excruciating pain, and it was like, I'm dying in here, <laughs> move, you know, that just that pushing and pushing and wanting to be free of it, you know, but one can contemplate this, you know, I didn't, but you could, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can contemplate this according to the elements, and you can see the difference between the actual direct experience of the sensations that are going on that we're calling pain. See the difference when you're relating to it in that way versus how you're relating to it when you call it pain, right? Oh man, this is a rich area of practice. You know, if you haven't done it, I highly encourage it because uh, you, you, we, we witness very directly what attachment to perception can affect you know, it, it, it's, it's the idea of it that is excruciating. The direct experience, when you start looking at it elementally, um, it, it, and especially if you get a high degree of interest going with that investigation, um, it, it actually, in a way, it almost ceases to be pain anymore. It, 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 it almost, it, you can actually have the experience, and don't, you know, don't believe me, try it, that, that the... Um, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't hurt anymore because the mind is so absorbed with interest in looking at it, you know? I mean, that's not the objective, but these kinds of investigations have a lot of interesting side effects. So just look and see. I mean, and maybe you have. Doesn't it become a lot more bearable when we aren't holding it conceptually in the mind, assigning a name to it or qualities to it? And living in that, you, you see what we do, we, we move over here and go into the perception of it and live there instead of staying with the actual direct experience. So as I said, the, the names that we give to things are, aren't, 
the, both the experiences and the objects that we come in, into contact with, these are not intrinsically true. Even these experiences of pleasure and pain. The, the, the idea here is to be, become aware of the fact the experience is what it is. The experience is what it is and to do our level best to stay there. But through identification with our perception about the experience, uh, we, can, we experience things as pain, sadness, ugly fat, all this stuff. And, and this becomes our reality. So consider too now the, the impl- I think you can see what I'm doing, I'm taking it out and out and out, you know. <laughs> consider the implications of doing this with each other, how we, how we um, take a moment and build a world around that. So we, we might, uh, you know, see certain behaviors in one another, just a, a moment in time, and um, form ideas about one another, just from a glimpse, a glance, a gesture, uh, an idea. You know, in, in essence, what we're doing all of the time, if, you're, if we're honest about it, is we're kind of sizing each other up, you know, discerning, you know, wh- wh- whether, what we, how we feel about each other, whether we like each other or not. This is going on a lot of the time. And, and so, you know, it's proceeding from a lot of our conditioning and the experiences that we have in our lives. And we've seen certain behaviors or certain gestures in the past and they meant something. And now we're seeing them again, and we're saying that they mean that, but they might, they might not. You know, we haven't investigated, and, and um, maybe you can do that when you're interacting beyond retreat. But uh, the retreat environment is ideal, because you, you don't get to talk to each other, you don't get to sort it out, you just get to see what the mind is doing with what's happening. And, and that can be very, very helpful. So then, uh, you know, if you don't catch that, you're actually seeing each other according to that. And, you know, I I have a a very outstanding example of this in my own practice years ago when I I think it was on my first um, three-month retreat. Um, There's a woman who came late to the retreat and um, I just got into this, like the way that she was, the way that she walked around, and it was really the clothes that she wore. See, I, I decided that the clothes that she was wearing were very inappropriate for a retreat. She wore high-heeled boots, and she wore them every place she went, and she had these big colorful ponchos, which were very distracting, and she always carried around this, this big bag over her shoulder. And I hated it. <laughs> I really hated it. In fact, there were times when I noticed I was actually looking for her so I could hate her. You know, <laughs> just trying to find where is she? Where is she? You know, <laughs> this this very very inappropriate way to be on retreat. You know, and looking back on it, I mean, it was a, like who knew high heels and ponchos were such a wrong thing to do? You know, <laughs> but they were for me, <laughs> and and I suffered a lot because of that. And I even remember, she came late to the retreat and left early, so I never did meet her. I never got to. The discern whether uh, you know it, her, she was worthy of my hatred, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, I remember when she was leaving, this taxi came up, and I saw her get in the taxi and drive away. And I thought, as she drove away, there goes my tormentor. <laughs> and I saw it, you know, and I realized, oh no, honey, your tormentor is still with you. You are caught 
And you really want to be able to see this kind of thing. And I'm sure, so I'm sure you could all tell your own stories. You know, it, 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 it's probably happened here while you're here at the Forest Refuge. You know, maybe it's somebody's hair or the, the clothes that they wear. Or maybe it's the way they carry themselves in the dining hall. Or, you know, for some people it's the accoutrements that they bring, you know. <laughs> they just have so many blankets and so many pillows in the hall, you know. Or something like this. I mean, it can be anything, you know. And, and the mind will light on it because we have a perception, we have an idea about that kind of behavior as, as uh, being inappropriate or right or wrong. And, and the mind will just latch on it. And it, it can be over the most insignificant, silly things. You know, you've probably seen it. And just watch how, how these perceptions uh, of one another will change the way that we relate to each other. You'll see this more when you're interacting with each other. But you can see it here, too. You know, how, how uh, this idea that I have about you is affecting how I'm being with you. You know, we, we characterize in, each other in, in one way uh, or another, and then we relate according to that. So you can see how important this can be uh, in, in relationships. You know, with, with practice, we, we begin to notice how we may be distorting um, our view of one another and seeing each other through these perceptions. And uh, the seeing very directly the potential for some very painful stuff here. You know, we can literally write people off. <laughs> you know, put them completely out of our hearts and out of our minds because of some silly idea that we have about the way that they, they are. You know, I'm certainly guilty of this myself, you know, and really only learning now in my senior years, you know, um, about the harm that's done from that kind of thing and really learning to, you know, just setting the um, spotlight on that moment when I start to do that. You know, when I'm talking to somebody meeting somebody, looking at somebody from a distance even, you know, somebody you don't even come into contact with, and beginning to um, um, formulate a, a view, an opinion about them, you know, and, and just really trying to catch that, and, and discovering how incredibly easy it is to, to, to stop it, <laughs> you know, it's like, don't do that, <laughs> stop it, <laughs> you know, you're putting people out of your heart, uh, for why? For what? For what reason? You know, just some notion, some idea, some silly view about it. So it just takes a little bit of knowing about attachment to perception and the mindfulness to to see that moment when it starts to happen. And this, oh, this is hugely rich area of practice. I think we all suffer a lot from not seeing it. So here's another one that um, I, I found very useful over the years. Is it's just beginning to tune into the fact that the mind, part of the perception conduct, uh, plays out in this way: the mind is drawing associations to things. It's relating to what's happening very quickly at, at lightning fast uh, speed, right after uh, sensory contact of one form or another, a sight, a sound, a smell, a touch, a thought, a feeling. And, and uh, it, it begins to relate to it according to similar things that it knows. 
And this is different from what I was saying about the, the, the activity where the mind is trying to get a fix on something. You know, that in that instance, it doesn't know what the object is yet. And it's trying to sort out what the object is. But here, it knows what the object is. And, uh, and, and so it's a little bit even more complex because it knows what it is, but now it's going into its past experiences uh, and drawing an association to something that we've saw, heard, felt, or thought, something like that in, in, in the past. And, and so you might, you might notice this um, as you walk around. It's very fascinating to watch. Um, uh, I remember just watching it on retreat. Um, the first time I became aware of it and just shining the spotlight on it where I was wa- I'd be walking around the loop and I'd see the green of the trees and it was like, ah, oh, that, that looks just like that dark green of my 1972 Carmen Ghia. Wasn't that great? And then you're off thinking about your Carmen Ghia. You know, or smelling the peanut butter in the food line and then remembering the road trip where you survived on graham crackers and peanut butter, you know, and, and the mind is, goes into a reverie just from the smell, from the, uh, the scent of something. So it, it takes a moment's uh, sensation and it associates, relates, and um, it's doing this a lot, isn't it? You know, you really shine the spotlight on it. You, you'll see how incredibly frequently it's doing this. And it, if we don't see it, then it's the very easy to go off right there. That's the point where the, the story begins, the papancha, the proliferation begins, and, and be, we begin to become entangled in, in something that has a reality, but it's not, it's not what's happening here. You know, it's not something that's happening now, except for the fact that we're perceiving and getting lost in our perceptions. So just to uh, pick that up perhaps as a practice and begin to see how quickly it comes into play. And as I watched it myself, I I remember feeling alternately fascinated by it uh, and annoyed with it, you know, because it's very fascinating because you begin to see that, you know, the, the... it's like it's doing this all the time. It's doing this um, uh, in a way that is very impersonal. It's like, you know, when you shine the spotlight on it, it's like, wow, holy cow, you know, I'm not doing that. It's, it's relating, it's associating, it's, it's, it's drawing in something that's familiar, that's similar to what it is that I'm contacting. Uh, it, and, you know, you can see it as impersonal and recognize it as, as something the mind does, that it's being born out of contact. And that can be very, very helpful. But the, the part where it can get annoying is, you know, if we don't understand that, because as for myself, when I first started seeing it, it was very irritating, very annoying, because uh, it's like I understood the Buddha to be saying that I wanted to be with things in a very bare and raw way. And then I begin to become aware of this habit of the mind to constantly be relating and associating and going off somewhere in relation to what I'm experiencing. And I thought, you know, it's not, it's not even possible. How is it possible to do that with a mind like this? You know, it just, it keeps going off. Uh, uh, and and um, I didn't realize that it, it was the attaching that was the... The going off, the, the perceiving quality is okay. 
You know, that, that's not a problem. But I would ask myself initially, certainly in the early years of my practice, when the Buddha would talk about bare knowledge or bare attention, you know, I'd just ask myself, what in the heck is that? You know, <laughs> what is he talking about? Who, who could, how could you know that? How could you be with things in a bare way when this is, is going on? And, and for some time I thought that uh, the objective then was to stop that activity, to stop the mind uh, perceiving, relating, going, uh, picking up on objects and, and relating to them. But, you know, as you stay with it, uh, as we do, amazingly, we keep hanging in there and keep practicing with this stuff, trying to understand. But over the, the months and years, then, you know, one begins to come to understand that um, we're just trying to see that the mind behaves in that way. And that's a very sobering and peaceful realization. And, and to be able to, to realize that you can see the mind behave that way, and yet uh, there's a presence in that knowing there's a presence of mind that isn't doing that, that is just watching it and begin to notice the difference between these two. We don't have to go off with it all the time. We can actually develop a capacity to be standing back in this non-attached perspective. That's the, that's the buzzword with the aggregates. The Buddha says, uh, upadana, you know, don't attach. <laughs> To find the, pos- the position, the posture, if you will, the, the place of knowing and awareness of that movement of the mind that isn't, um, that just knows it, that isn't uh, caught in it, and certainly isn't going off where it takes us, that isn't grabbing it, non-attachment to the aggregate of perception. And so, so gradually what we see is that this tendency, because we're not grabbing it, um, the tendency... Uh, to to uh, to grab it begins to weaken, and so that that posture of being the the knowing of it uh, begins to increase, and and at the very least we can catch it sooner when we're go- when we're beginning to proliferate about what it is that we come into contact with. Very nice, very very sweet uh, experience. I mean, you know, in daily life we might come in on it after it's all over, frequently. But that's good enough, you know. A, a good example of that was last year when I was uh, uh, over at the monasteries in England. I wanted to take the time to go up to Scotland to see uh, one of the senior nuns was establishing a hermitage up there for the nuns and uh, lay women, And uh, I just wanted to go see her. I wanted to go see it. But I had never been to Scotland before. <laughs> And, and uh, so it was very uh, interesting to see uh, how I behaved in this new environment and how my mind started to get caught up in these uh, associations uh, in the mind. So one day we were driving around and we went over to Edinburgh and, you know, I was saying to, to uh, everybody in the car, oh, Edinburgh is just like Boston. It's got these windy streets and they go up hills and down hills and nothing's, there's no 90 degree angles, you know. And then we went out to eat and we got some sticky toffee pudding, you know, and they, oh, you got to have sticky toffee pudding. That's, that's, you know, 
And then you've arrived, you know, and I'm enjoying the sticky toffee pudding and I'm going, oh, this is just like that cake I made back in college that flopped and, you know, it was just a big glob of goo and everybody ate it anyway. It wasn't that funny, you know. <laughs> and, or, or then we're, we're back at the uh, hermitage and looking out this beautiful picture window at this expanse of the Scottish countryside, you know. And I'm going, oh, that just look, looks just like that scene I saw in The Hobbit recently. Oh, it's just, it's just like that, you know? And then, uh, so I said these things, and I said them to the senior nun and the other people that were there, just over and over, all day, you know? And, 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 and uh, so uh, soon, however, I realized what I was doing. And uh, I, I said to Ajahn, I said, Ajahn, I've just been associating all day, haven't I? <laughs> Don't you? She goes, yeah, you have. <laughs> <laughs> and she and, and uh, I said, "Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I hope it hasn't been too annoying, you know, because you're just always you're not in you're not in the experience. They're showing me their world, and I'm not in their world. I'm in my world, you know. I'm just relating and associating, you know. And and I mean, we had a good laugh about it, but um, you know, it's it, it was an interesting reflection, you know. At at another time in my life, I I might have said, well, I was just nervous, you know." And there's, you know, fair enough. That's that's what it's like sometimes. We're we're in new places and we're trying to get our bearings, you know. And so you're you're just trying to hold on to something because everything's so new and unusual. To hold on to find something familiar and hold on to that. But you know, and I might have said that years ago. But it was interesting to see how my analysis of it had changed through the years of practice. And how I could see right there, I said, wow, I was really caught in the perception kind of attaching to it, wasn't I? You know, and just just to to see it, and and if you can feel that, it's a much more impersonal uh, interpretation or understanding of what's happening. It's not, oh, you're nervous, oh, there's something wrong with you, you know, you shouldn't be that way. It's none of that. It's just the the perception kind (laughs) of, and we get caught in it and stuck in it sometimes, and... um, uh, that's all it was. That's enough to know that, and uh, the mind can uh, release. So eventually, over over the years of practice, uh, we just get uh, we get um, detached enough, if you will, or um, we get enough perspective on it. We let go enough just to be able to notice the play of the mind, uh, such that we aren't constantly being born into it. And I don't know about you, but I, I find this particular aspect of practice just very entertaining. I mean, it, it's a, you know, you can have a good laugh in practice very frequently when you see what the mind is doing, you know, how it gets caught up in things. Or, or how it, I mean, my mind is, tends to uh, make jokes and, uh, you know, it, it, or like I'll be sensitized to a certain experience and the mind will remember some song out of the 50s that somehow characterizes my experience in that moment, you know, and start singing that. And I'll just, you, you see it and you just snicker, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, look at what it does. I mean, it's just, it's just relating. It's going, oh yeah, I know this experience. This is like da, 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 you know, <laughs> and it starts singing. <laughs> I find it all very entertaining. So the mind, you know, just just to look and see. I mean, how many times have you done this? How many times has the mind picked up a song based on 
some activity or experience that you're having on retreat. So just one more, one more thing here in this area of drawing, relation, uh, drawing associations and looking at its impact on relationships. It can be a, a very strong player in absenting us from one another, as I was alluding to just a moment ago. Like, just look at what happens in your conversations with people um, when you leave here uh, and, and notice what is going on in the mind, how um, very often, very frequently, more frequently maybe than one wants to admit, one isn't listening to what is being said. One isn't opening one's heart to the other person, but is actually relating to what they're saying. And, and sometimes they can get so strong that you can actually have the, the, the feeling of wishing that they would stop so you could jump in, you know, wishing that they would lose their story so you could start with, with your own. And I picked this up as a practice uh, for myself uh, some time ago, and it was, a, it was a rude, rude awakening to see how much I was actually doing that uh, with people I loved and people I, want, I said I wanted to be with. You know, but the, the mind was always going, it's like taking what is, relating it to moi, <laughs> and going there with it, you know, uh, over and over again. And, uh, you know, just, just that awful feeling of, of uh, even, I remember one time talking to one of my teachers and, and just wishing, wishing that he would shut up so I could relate to what he was saying, you know, so I could say how I knew what he was talking about, because I do that, I know that. You know, and, and it, it was quite quite powerful, uh, and you know so much so that one often might even cut people off, you know, to, don't let them finish their story because I I've got to get to my story, you know. Uh, you know, I was telling one of my teachers about this one time, and and uh, you know, with a little bit of a whine, wishing I wouldn't do that, uh, seeing it and feeling the pain of of doing it. And, but he was very helpful. He reminded me that, you know, you want to hold these things, yeah, you want to see that your mind is doing that, but you also want to hold it a little bit lightly, you know, and realize that it's not all bad stuff going on there, that we so want to connect, we so want to uh, understand each other and be connected, that part of it is proceeding from that, you know, that there's a wish to um, relate. I you know, I just, I want to... I want you. I want to feel close to you. I want you to feel close to me. We want to share an experience. So to to take it, take it somewhat lightly, but also to recognize what that what the mind is doing in those kinds of moments. I mean, here's a here's a human being in front of me, who is sharing themselves with me, and, and I'm not there. I'm not receiving them. So I, I found it very helpful in this regard to notice what it's like when I'm on the other side of that, when I'm the one um, who is being left, you know. Uh, it, it, it's like I might be uh, telling my story and somebody um, either cuts me off or jumps in with their story right after uh, I finish mine. And, and just, to, uh, just to shine the spotlight right there and see what what's happening. And if, it was very powerful for me because I could feel this whimper, you know. I could feel this, ah, 
you know, where'd you go? <laughs> you know, you, we were here, and we were, you were listening to my story, and, and we were so connected, and, and now, you know, where'd you go? What happened? You left, and now we're talking about you, and it's not about me anymore, you know? It, it was wild to see that, see how that actually feels, you know? And, and very important to see, because um, it, it, that's the bit that helps us to not do it ourselves. You know, there's, there's a very important sutta in the Majjhima that the Buddha calls inference. And um, it, it's a, it, he's pointing to this exact thing where he, he says, um, if someone is behaving in a way that is displeasing or disagreeable to me, this is how you should contemplate it. You should contemplate it in a way that says, wow, if, if, if um, I behave that way, then that's how they're going to feel. If I behave like that towards them, then the way that I feel right now is how they're going to feel. Yeah? And so you infer from how you feel how other people would feel. You don't know how they're going to feel exactly, but you can infer that being another human being, it's going to be something like this. And if it's yucky, like that was, you know, then you, you, out of compassion and out of a... A kindness. You don't do that. You learn not to do that. And this is actually how the mind learns not to go into behaviors that are hurtful and harmful to one another. So in other words, if I feel like this when people do that to me, <laughs> then they must feel like this, you know, when I do it to them. And it's like, yuck. <laughs> uh, let, me, let me stop doing that. And interestingly, uh, the, uh, he concludes in that sutta, he says, by not doing that, one is happy and glad. <laughs> and I've certainly found that to, to be true. So just contemplating in this way, you know, take it, you know, if this, if this is useful or interesting and you want to pick it up, just take it from these simple experiences, uh, like, uh, you know, the, the perceptions, the, the simple perceptions that we have about what's happening and carry it all the way out to these implications of how it is that we're relating to one another and how attachment to uh, perception, to the ideas that we have about each other, um, is, is impairing our, our relationships. And contemplation of, of um, perception in this way and seeing very directly our attachment to that you know, just, it just offers a huge amount of promise for all of us and helping us to, to, to be here with ourselves, to be more aware of what's going on here, and to be here more with um, each other, uh, to do that more fully and uh, more, more lovingly, just to be present with one another. So I, I offer this for your reflection tonight. Hope you have some fun with it, play with it a little bit, and see where it takes you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org.
www.ghostbusters.org slash donate.